Hello and welcome to another episode of All Walks of Art with Mike and Paul. How you doing, Paul? Man, I'm doing great. Hey, uh, today's a weird day. You know, it is just goofy. I always say this. I always say there's something going on today. And today is a nooner for us. It's a nooner. Yeah, it's weird. We're not like trying something different. It's not five o'clock somewhere. It's noon o'clock somewhere. <laughs> I, I have been up a grand total of one hour and eight minutes. That's about like me. I stay up late and get up late and all that. But you brought me a breakfast beer. I sure did. Or a nooner beer or whatever you brunch. want to call it. It's Sunday. Yeah. Oh, yes. Yeah. Brunch. Brunch beer. That makes perfect sense. So this is Masagave by Founders. Tell me about it. What You've had it. I was in uh, Fort Wayne for Gear Fest. We'll probably talk a little bit about some of that. I uh, had some interesting artistic experiences uh, while I was there. Uh, it's a big thing that they put on at Sweetwater in Fort Wayne. Have uh, artists come from, musical artists come from all over and talk about gear and, and uh, do clinics and whatnot. So I was out with my friend and uh, we were out bar hopping at Fort Wayne, which was kind of a, oh, nice. It's good. Kind of an interesting little town, but we were at this little pub, and uh, I was like, "Well, I'll be in there. I'll, I'll have a drink. Maybe I'd have something to talk about here for the old podcast." And uh, that masagave sounded kind of interesting, and it's real good. It's supposed to be uh, margarita uh, inspired. They tell me it tastes like a margarita. I don't really like margaritas, so I, I didn't get that sense. But the agent in tequila barrels, it's got a real nice color, and I just really dug it. it when it's ice cold. It, it tastes really good. And you know, I'm not a big beer guy, so. Uh, I'm pretty impressed. It's by uh, Founders. Yeah, Founders. They they make great beer. Barrel-aged and tequila. You said that, I think. Yep. Uh, 2019 release, and it's 10% alcohol by volume. Paul, you uh, you nailed it on this one. This is a good one. And you're not drinking today because you are nah, doing I'm, things. I got I'm I'm out on my motorcycle later today. Yeah. So I will drink for the both of us. I have coffee too for me because <laughs> I'm that way. You can have coffee if you want coffee. I've got plenty of coffee. I'm not big on coffee. All right. But they uh, they they only put that out, I think, between May and September is what I saw. Awesome. It, it's a really cool label. Wish you all could see it. It's a little uh, skeleton hand reaching up out of the ground uh, with a butterfly on a agave plant. I assume that's what that is. Yep. Maybe it's a lime. I don't know. The... Uh, the description at the bottom says it's an imperial lime ghost style ale brewed with agave aged in tequila barrels. So what's a ghost? Um, mm. it, it's hard for me to explain. It really is. It's uh, really it's, yeah. It's a little different than your typical ales and things. <coughs> um, I don't really want to go there with that today because I'm really wanting to drink this beer. All right, drink it. So, Let's see what what you think. What, I really loved it, and you know I don't like I said other it, than Doom Pedal. <laughs> It has a, uh, it has an apple cider color, for those of you listening, yeah. uh, and and I promise we will get to the art here in just a second. But I'm so excited to try this beer. Never had it. Uh, as far as aroma goes, it it definitely has that lime tequila um, hint there. I don't really get the barrel, but I'm sure once I taste it, I, I will say that the beautiful blonde that uh, served that to me, she was real excited about it. So that kind of got me excited about it, honestly. So <laughs> that's that, that works. All right. I'm going to give it a shot. Down the hatch. What do you think, Mike? Oh man. No, that you like that? That's sneaky. There is literally no, no punch of alcohol right. in it. And it's 10%. Mm. I, I'm going to say the, the the folks at Founders made a very easy drink. This everybody can drink this. If you don't like beer, you could probably drink I, this. I and I don't, and I and I do like it. Yeah, it's a uh, it's a little bit of a. I don't get margarita. I'm like you. I don't get margarita yeah, don't get at all. But it's uh, it's really good. This some friends at a, at a cookout last night that you know I heard. Uh, Oh, wow, it tastes just like a margarita. Uh, it's very salty. And Crabtree was like, oh, my God, no. Oh, uh. <laughs> oh really? He yeah. didn't like it? Yeah, he didn't it, like it. It is sour. I mean, a ghost, ghost is typically sour anyway. Yeah. But um, wow, that is really good. I'm impressed. I'm going to – and uh, about $15 a four-pack. Is that right? Fifteen ninety nine. 
That's that's we're high not, class. Yeah, we're high class rednecks <laughs> up down here. That's not too bad. Hey, the uh, the podcast today. I, I really have to say we're six. We're almost well. We're five minutes into this, and all we're doing is drinking at noon. Well, I am anyway. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> and again, though, alcohol has yeah. has long since been a artistic and social lubricant. Yeah, so. and this is a hard episode for me because it's different. We're not in the same flow, sort of. It was like. Let's get up and do it. Yeah. And and I know everybody listening is like, it's freaking noon, dude. What time do you get up? Uh, about 10 till noon. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We're night owls, man. We're I've night owls. That's our lifestyle. Um, what are we talking about today? We, I have no idea what we the topic are is. talking about. This interesting thing. And for those of you that, uh, that know I have a lounge on Discord, we actually, I have Discord open and I'm letting everybody on the Discord uh, server in Mike's lounge actually respond to questions I'm posting on here. I'm going to eventually make it so that we can listen to, you can actually listen to the recording while we do it. That's something I'm kind of excited about trying uh, and where you are getting messages. So that's good. But the topic today really kind of complicated and I'm looking for it because I wrote it down and I want to say exactly how I wrote it down, but that beer's getting to me already. You only had one drink, two drinks. I just, I mean, like, it's like gassy in me. I just, I want to burp so bad, and I'm trying to be polite. <laughs> you need a button. You need a kill button. I do need it. Yeah, there's a mute button on there, but I, uh, yeah, more buttons, more more gear. Oh, yeah. Uh, more buttons, more problems. So, generally speaking, though, the the topic for today, and I know I'm really dragging this out. I really am. But uh, photography. Photography is the topic for today, and I know we're going to have uh, a road trip in 14 days, roughly 15 days, and we're going to talk to a photographer, but this kind of sets that up, I think. All right. It, um, specifically about photography, how it's made everyone an artist or has it, and and I kind of want to play with this a little bit. It's... Uh, it's a little bit on the technology side too. I don't want to get on the negative end of that because I think, well, we'll get into it later, but I really want to dive into even cultural aspects of when, when did art change like the fine arts? When did, you know, I don't really know how to explain this without letting too much out of the bag. So I'm going to go ahead and start. I think that the invention of the camera is what led to a lot of expressionism in art, meaning the classical realists didn't have a job. They weren't necessary. It was easier for common folk to get their portrait done. Um, you could go down the street to the guy at the recording or the, the photography studio and basically get your portrait done by him versus sitting for, for <laughs> sitting for a, uh, uh, a portrait painter and, and probably cheaper. I would say it's probably just like today. It's cheaper. That'd be generally. interesting to know. I would like to know, like right at the event, the, uh, the, when the camera came out yeah. and they started doing portraits, like you see, like, Oh, we'll say like old West portraits. So what are we talking about? Like the, the mid to late 1800s. I'm yeah, not sure. Yeah. Um, you know, when it was more widely, you know, when there was a camera in every town. Right. I wonder at that time, how much it was, for a, a uh, to have a painting done, a portrait, mm -hmm. and then I wonder what that those prices are today with them, you know, inflation oh, yeah. and current money. Yeah. We need good, to know that information. Yeah. yeah, we'll check that. I'll I'll dig into that. Maybe we'll have something for next week because that's interesting to think. And while you're on that subject, so in looking into this, can you see like you know whatever year it was when the like I said, say a camera there was a a photographer in every town then mm -hmm. that you know that widespread how art changed as far as paintings and, yeah. and that kind of thing that's what i'd like to see i, I wish i i had a, a visual a book yeah, to yeah, see that yeah. right now i i think i i can't really say for sure but i mean we we know that photography was a lot more common during the civil war than than what it had obviously in the past so i think if we pick a time of say 1875 the camera uh, was around longer than that, but 
Right, right. I, I think by 1875, it was probably a little more commonplace. You had professional photographers at that point. You had a mix of professional artists who were actually starting to die out. Their, uh, their need wasn't as big anymore because everybody could go to the photographer. And I, I think around 2004, we ran into the same type of social climate for <clears throat> photography and art. I, I think it became, you know, at 2004, when the, the digital camera became a little more commonplace, you could afford it. Things were getting a little bit better. The digital uh, DSLR uh, camera, the SLR camera that was common everywhere, but they added a digital sensor to it, became a little more common for everybody, a little more affordable. I, I do know that my first my first camera, a digital camera, was a Nikon D70. And the body on that was like $1,500. And it was just stupid. When you look back at it today, I want to say it was a four megapixel camera. It wasn't range, dynamic range wise. It wasn't very good. But if you wanted to get into like a, a, a pro level version of a Nikon, it was a lot more money. And it was just out of my budget at the time. But uh, it just, to me, it just made it much easier to uh, get, get photos. You know, mm -hmm. I, I wasn't waiting for the film to get developed and make sure that I, did everything I thought. Well, you I can see if it. you got the shot right then. Yeah, yeah. I can't imagine um, the the. I mean, you set up all this. I don't know how to explain, it, but you know, you got all this setup time. You know, until I got into, uh, you know, working with some different photographers and seeing everything that went into that, you just don't really. All you see is the is the shot. You yeah, know, I'm just yeah, a dumb. Frame. I'm just a dumb musician. You know, and you see what goes into it. Now imagine setting that up, spending eight hours setting this up, taking that shot and then going home and developing these pictures and you don't have it. Right. I mean, that to me, yeah. the, the digit, that's what gets, that yeah, makes that all instant worth gratification. it. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think, I mean, I picked up a digital camera mainly at the time I was doing a lot of, uh, commission work where I would go and, take photos for somebody at their house or of their house, even their car, their motorcycle, whatever. And I was still using a film camera and I found myself, um, I got to get rid of this thing. I'm for those of you who can't see, I'm toying with a bottle opener and it's going to end up making a lot of noise if I don't let go of it. Um, fidget. Yeah. It's a fidgety thing. I, I think, I was, I was spending so much money. You know, I get the 24 frame roll of film. I, I used a 1953 X-Acta uh, camera. It was the IHAGI 2, or it was made by IHAGI. It was the X-Acta 2 model. Uh, a nice German camera. It was really, really good. Made in Dresden. Loved it. Um, but yeah, I, I don't, I don't know. I just, I went around, I was taking these pictures. I'd go back and I'd get them developed at the local store and, um, I was always frustrated with how much I didn't know as a photographer. And I, I've had a camera in my hand since I was, you know, little. Can you develop film yourself if you had to? Black and white I can, but with, with well, not here. I don't have a darker. But I mean, if you had the, if you had the facilities, you know, yeah, you got that knowledge. Yeah, I've, I've done it. It's, it's fun. Uh, it's something I, I probably wouldn't mind getting back to just for the art of it. Uh, that's the thing with cameras. And I, I want to, this is a perfect episode to talk about it. There is a, a blend of science, technology, and art in a camera. Oh, no doubt. And it's just, to me, it's just utterly amazing that, you know, you're, the exposure triangle determines everything. You know, um, the aperture of the lens, uh, whatever setting you have it on, I'm talking fully manual here. So uh, for those of you not real familiar with it, uh, the aperture, you have full control over the aperture from, you know, whatever f-stop at the bottom range all the way to the top. Uh, it, it just think of it as a as the iris of your eye. It just opens up and closes. So when you go outside on a bright day, it really drops down. You have a really small pinhole for your pupil. And if you're in a dark room, it's really wide open or dilated sort of uh, a look to it. But that's what the aperture does. And then the sensitivity of your sensor or sensitivity of your film, whichever one you're using, uh, determines how much 
how sensitive that that sensor is receptive to light. Um, a low number being less sensitive than a high number. So like an ISO 100 is uh, not as sensitive as ISO 800, if that makes any sense. It don't, but I believe um, it. And then, of course, shutter speed has another effect on it. So the longer the shutter is open, the more light gets in. That, that's an easy one for people to grasp because you're opening something up and letting light in. Uh, but you're, you're freezing moments. And there's all kinds of science that goes along with it. Uh, how the light reacts, the inverse square law for how close you get the light to your subject and how much light falls off. I mean, it's just absolutely crazy how much there is. But then in the in the long term, the artist, the photographer, must really decide what the best composition is. And they have to look at all these different things. You know, is the light falling on it right? You know, and uh, does this look good? Does that look good? You know, it's, it's not all Instagram snapshots, you know what I mean? Right. We're in this day and age, we're so used to the instant gratification of Facebook and Instagram and all those places where we can post pictures. And yeah, I don't think it, no, nothing about all this shutter speed and all that. I just hold my phone up yeah, and I push a little yeah. button and Hey, I got a cool shot. Well, yeah. Yeah. And that's the thing. And that's kind of where this podcast is going is at some point there's an automatic feature in our pockets you know we got these cameras in our pockets and 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 i know this is first world discussions there's people all over the world who just don't have this access and and all that but think about this for a second has that made everyone an artist you know does it really i me as oh there's so many questions here as a painter it's almost disheartening for me because we were talking about from 2004 when the camera the digital camera became more popular to let's just say 2000 by 2012 everybody had a phone that could take a good picture to today where it's just amazing what you can do most of the pictures i take are with my phone i mean most of them it's crazy right but you still when you're taking a photo, you are taking a photo with all that knowledge, all that past experience mm -hmm. in your, it's in your toolbox. Yeah. And you're taking, even when you're, I mean, I've seen you, I know how you operate. I mean, even when you're taking an iPhone picture, there's, you're doing things a little bit different than I would or, yeah. you know, because you're using that, yeah. that knowledge. And I think that that, I, I, I don't think that the widespread use of iPhone cameras um, discounts your art and your, um, you know, the, your experience at all, but also as you know, this came up in a, uh, podcast way back. One of the first couple, I believe we're all artists. So I think that what these phones have done have just been a, a way for, for the everyday person to channel some of that yes. insight. I like, like, uh, it's funny because like, uh, you know, I don't think Jess really likes the um, pictures where the it's black and white and there's one red thing because it's been played out. I think you, you've, <laughs> right. you've, you've, you've yeah. you know, I love that. Yeah. I think that's, I love that when I first seen it. Yeah. Is it played out? Sure. It's played out, but I think that kind of thing's cool or you got yeah. a black and white photo and just their eyes are blue or something. I think that's cool. Yeah. No matter how played out, it's just like a good riff. It's, it's like, a, um, you know, Iron Man or, um, smoke on the water right no matter how stairway to heaven no matter how played out it is it's still a great riff right and that's still a cool concept and if it's done right is it you know if is it overdone sure but i think that the uh these pocket phones with the uh cameras in them and everything it's just allowed all of us to to tap into that oh yeah i think i think you're you're Getting into a, a topic area that it's is like karaoke. very important. Yeah, exactly. You know, it's it's people that do karaoke that does not diminish my talent at all, but it's a way for them to express themselves yeah. and use their voice. I used to really hate on it, but as I've grown older, I've seen I see the joy that brings people, yeah. and they're expressing them themselves. It breaks the ice. Are and are they an artist? They're 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 making art right then. Right. You know. So yeah, I. Look, looking at Discord, um, and, and I've heard this this sort of <clears throat> analogy played out a few times different ways, but, you know, uh, you would never go to a chef and say, wow, what kind of pans do you use? 
you know, you make really good food. What kind of oven are you working on? You know, you, you just, it's just not the same thing. Um, so in that essence, the camera doesn't make you an artist, but it may facilitate in my mind, it may facilitate something that you didn't know how you had in you. And that's kind of where you're yeah. going with this, that, you know, the more you take pictures and you start thinking, man, I really like this. Maybe I'll get a better camera because let me, let me rephrase that. I hate, <laughs> I hate the fact that people think the gear is going to make them better. So maybe I shouldn't say better camera. Let me, let me say this like this. Maybe you start on your phone and you're doing your thing, even making videos. Cause there's people out there who, who make videos that are just phenomenal. They make movies on iPhones. Exactly. And it's, it's just crazy. So the technology's there, but maybe they go, well, it's not the right tool for the job. They start realizing that that tool doesn't do everything they want it to do, or doesn't have all the, um, I don't know what the right word is here, but maybe it, maybe it doesn't have all the necessary features that they need. You know, maybe you have a lot of low light situations and you just need a, a lens that can handle that. And your iPhone just isn't going to cut it. So you got to get better lenses, a better camera because of that and so on and so forth. So you, you start learning the science and the gear doesn't matter so much at that point. You start really picking at the limitations of your gear and can you push it? on those limitations. Like when I did concert photography, I pretty much lived in the, uh, 2.8, 1.4 F stop range everywhere. I mean, it's just like, I can't imagine walking into a, a concert venue and trying to take pictures of a band at F 3.5 or F 5.6. I mean, you can today when I was shooting, um, in 2010, 2000, 11 ish, you know, those days, uh, ISO, you had your limitations on ISO, you know, you were in my case with a Nikon, I was using a D 300 most of the time in those days. Um, I was limited to probably 1600 ISO Then I knew I just, if I went above that, I just had too much noise to work with and I, it just looked terrible. Um, incidentally film, when you go back to the limitations of what folks had with film, it's just, it, it baffles me that the limitations on old film cameras are so much harder than what we have in digital today. I mean, you can go to 24,000 ISO and it's, it's usable. Well, and think of how many iconic shots that if you think of an iconic photo right now, what, what's the first thing that pops in your mind? Oh, wow. Um, the Afghan girl on the cover of national geographic. Yeah. What they use, use to shoot that. I wonder, uh, it, Knowing National Geographic photographers of the time, it was probably a Nikon uh, camera. He probably had, uh, it was pro glass. I know, I knew he had a pro lens and stuff. And that's the thing. Anybody listening, um, if you're really into photography, don't focus on the body of the camera as much as you do your lenses. Your lenses will stay with you for a very long time. You know, you'll wear them out and stuff like that. But at the same time, they'll, they'll outlast the body over and over and over. I've had, um, digital camera wise, I've had about six different camera bodies that all use Nikon lenses. And I'm still using some of the first lenses I bought for those original bodies. And the, the shit glass that I had, it, it's, I gave them away. You know, I was like, Oh, here, just take this. You know, I sold, sold my gear and be like, I, I don't need that lens. <laughs> right. I'll that'll get them started. You know, that sort of thing. And I got rid of it. So what they use to take pictures on the moon with. Oh, wow. That, yeah, that, I don't know, but I remember seeing some, I think the video was done with a, a super eight, maybe a super 16. Right. I'm not real sure about that. Um, when I was a kid, we had one, uh, grandpa would run around with it and stuff. And actually to, to this day, my brother used to treat me like I was, he's six years older than me. So, uh, he would treat me like I was adopted because there was no photos of me. Cause they, my, my grandpa and my dad, they kind of got into the video side of things more than camera side of things. So the camera got put away in the bag and the video camera came out and we never got the video out, you know, cause the, by the time you get the re recorder out or the, not the recorder, the screen and the projector and all that stuff out, it was a, it was a commitment to watch a video and it had no sound, right? So dude, nobody wants to look at it, you know? 
And I was on most of that. So my brother would say, well, that's why there's no pictures of you, Mike. <laughs> you know, <laughs> you're, you're from another country. It's just, we, we picked you up. You were free. <laughs> so you think about, you think about the, the, um, the classic black and white photos from, uh, like civil rights movement, or, uh, you think about the, the pictures in time or like Tenement Square. Yeah. Uh, a lot of these historical, the old stuff, uh, nobody cares what camera no, they no, used yeah. to shoot that with. Yeah. It's about capturing a moment and it's about, uh, it, it, that's it, man. It's about capturing a moment and the feeling that went into it, whether you're doing a setup shot or you're doing a shot that, that is happening in Absolutely. real time right there. And Absolutely. Don't matter what you use. Yeah. And that's the same way with music. You go into yeah. music and it's like it, if, if I were to put, um, a $200 Stratocaster in uh, Eric Clapton's hands, it would still be Eric Clapton's music. Right. Well, that's something, that's what Billy Sheehan and Steve Vai said. I watched that they were doing clinics at, at Gear Fest and, and they both, you know, they were up there talking about their gear and they said, yeah, gear, gear's important and, and it has, there's a percentage that goes into it, mm -hmm. but it, it all comes from you and it comes from where you put your fingers and, and how you, hold the note and how you pick it. And he, Steve, I talked about changing his entire, he was a Berkeley graduate and he realized that his picking the way he was picking, he wasn't getting the tone that he wanted. And when he joined um, Zappa's band, he totally changed his whole way of playing Oh wow! after he was already an accomplished yeah. musician because he wasn't getting the sound that he wanted. It wasn't his guitar. It wasn't his pickups, wasn't his amp. It was the way he was the doing it. He, played, he didn't yeah. like it. And uh, he reinvented himself. That's it all really came from his that. hands. Yeah. Wow. It, was kind of, it was interesting. Hmm. I, it's, when you look at this, it's, uh, you know, I want to, I want to go back to the original question. Has, has the prolification of cameras made everybody an artist? And I think it just, as we're discussing this, it, it reinforces what I originally thought that, it doesn't make you an artist. You know, it, your pots and pans don't make you a chef. Your keyboard doesn't make you an author. Um, but having access to those things awakens something inside of you that may lead to being an artist. You know, and, and to me, that's, that's fantastic. Back on the idea of has it changed art the way we see it today and uh, specifically going back to um, fine art painters like myself where we we use oil paint or charcoal or graphite whatever whatever it is we, the old mediums that we're using there there is a change if you look around the middle 1800s to late 1800s um, the artwork became a lot more uh less let me say less representational and more impressionist you know it doesn't necessarily have to look like a photo anymore they wanted to like like the impressionist they wanted to capture the light how does light land on your subject how does light look from your eyes um van gogh is a good example you know he went out and painted the the sunflowers and the sky, starry night's a common one that everybody knows. Um, there might have been some drugs involved in that too. I don't know. Uh, I, I have a hard time understanding why he would paint that way. Personally, um, I I can't wrap my head around it. And some some would say it's because I'm too tight as an artist. Some would say I'm not loosening up enough and just let my art freely go. But I don't feel it that way. I would, I have a for me as an artist, there's a technical, classical, almost scientific approach to putting the paint on the canvas. And, and much like with a camera, you want you want that precision. You want that that appearance. You want the light. You're, I'm talking really deep here with uh, a philosophy, so to speak, of how I make my art versus how somebody else does. But you hit you hit the point right there and you went right over it you don't really understand how he made some of the choices that he made. Yeah. And that's it right there. That's what makes him interesting. Just like somebody might see some of your photos or some of the stuff that you painted, don't understand the choices 
you may, if everybody understands, if somebody looks at your art, your music, and they just totally get it mm -hmm. all the time, mm -hmm. then you're probably not really making art. That's does, a good Does point. that make sense? Yeah, it does. It makes good sense. Um, as, as the turn of the century happened, you know, Picasso became, uh, he went through cubism and the blue period and the different things that he did. And it led up to modern art that we have today and uh, Jackson Pollock. Hey, uh, your favorite. I was yeah. wondering when he was <laughs> going to come up. <laughs> well, it, it's a, it's a, I, I really have to say it this way. I think it really does have, I think over time there really has been an evolution of um, how art came about. You know, it's like, where did it, where did it come from? Where is it going? And, and I, I tend to feel like we're in another change right now. We just don't see it yet. And maybe we're living it too much. We don't feel it. Um, there's a resurgence in classical realism right now. There's a, a huge, I remember in the eighties when I was, you know, just learning how to really paint well and you know, all that. It felt like if I went to college for art, I was just going to get taught how to paint like Picasso or uh, how my instructor thought I should paint. There wasn't a lot of classical realism being taught. You know, the sight size and the comparative um, measurement methods weren't really being used in the uh, typical academic um, like colleges, I should say, universities and colleges. And still to this day, universities are, are pretty open to um, artistic expression versus technical. And I'm probably going to get some hate mail on that. But I, I, I really feel like if you are a classical realist and you want to paint like a classical realist, uh, universities aren't the way to go. You know, we've talked about ateliers on this channel a couple of times. I, I really think that's the way to go. I want to go to Italy so bad I can taste it. I'm trying to talk my wife into mm, pasta. Oh yeah. <laughs> right. I'm trying to talk my wife. In. I'm, I'm going to be 47 in July. So, uh, I should say this month because by the time I put this out, it'll be July. Uh, so it gives me three years of just getting my stuff in order so that her and I can move to Florence. And I can figure out a way to study art there. So I would need a job there. I would need to be able to sell art there and afford my tuition to go to the Angel Academy of Art. So if, uh, if I think his, uh, if the maestro from <laughs> Angel Academy of Art is listening, which I know he's not, but, uh, well, I can't say that. He might maybe just falls upon it. But anyway, I'm boring everybody, but if I can talk the wife into going there, that's what I want to do. And that's, that's the study. Am I too old? Probably 50, 50 years old is a, um, uh, is a very late age to get started on your training, so to speak. I've, yeah. But I've you've been training years. your whole life. So yeah, it's a yeah. little bit, it's not like, it's not like me with no visual arts background. Um, trying to learn how to do something. It's like, I, I still look in books and try to learn new things about music. It's you never stop learning. I mean, um, some of my great, you know, heroes are doing well, just like I was talking, Billy Sheehan said mm -hmm. last weekend, he's, he's trying to, to a new technique and he's still, he's still practicing and trying yeah. new things. And, yeah. um, we're yeah. sharks, man. When we yeah, stop, yeah, we exactly, die. Exactly. Exactly. You know? That's a, that's a good point. I, for me as an artist, it's, uh, I don't look at it as education. I look at it as training. It's a different level of training I've never had. And I, I really believe that level of training is going to excel. It's going to put me years ahead of where I would be. And I just, I'm running out of time, so to speak. Right. And I feel like I need it. It's going to take about four years to complete. So I'll be 54. I wanted to retire at 55 anyway. So the thought process is uh, I have my training behind me. I'm going to start the later years of my life as strictly as an artist. Uh, if I don't come back to the United States from Italy, that's probably okay. <laughs> I don't care. I, I don't. I don't see myself as a as a, as a citizen of one country. I, I kind of look at myself as um, honestly apolitical and 
uh, a, a global citizen. You know, humanity is important to me more than anything else. But um, I, th- I think there's something in this ghost because it's it's making me. <laughs> it's good stuff. Man. I'm feeling a little funny. <laughs> so some of the subject matters spark something in me. I, w- I want to pose this to you and see mm. what you think. So uh, I feel like still, and I've mentioned this before, you know, painting, mm. fine art painting drawing any of that i think is um it's just for me it's a different level because i don't don't do that mm-hmm. with music and and photography yeah now cameras anybody can take a, a good photo mm-hmm. you know um anybody w- that has any kind of pitch can sing karaoke mm-hmm. you know um you can play the guitar and be on youtube well i I come up when when I was young enough. I only saw bands on Saturday Night Live mm-hmm. and videos on on Fridays, mm-hmm. you know. And so the mystique was still there. I think that uh, painting, there's still uh, people look at that and they don't think I I can do that. Bob Ross is probably about the only only one that that give a sense that wow I can mm-hmm. I can kind of do that, but that's a very small kind of you know, window compared to all these other people, all these videos. Um, You don't look, I don't look at, at the stuff you got hanging up here and think, Oh, I can do that. You know, I know I can't do that. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. The mystique is still there. So I ask you this, I I think, have you ever seen chasing Amy? Kevin Smith movie. No, one of my favorites. So it's, it's about uh, a comic book uh, writer and drawer artist and a, and an anchor and they give the anchor all this shit because they're like, Oh, you just, you just trace, you just color it in. Cause, and he's like, no, no. After the artist draws it, I bring it to life. I put the, I make the choices. I put the, the, the colors in it. And only then is it truly, you know, art. Um, do you think colorist artist? Mm. Do you think a, a person, do you think a person that goes to Kmart, and uh, while well, there's no Kmart here, a good person that goes to Walmart and buys a paint by numbers and colors in the, the, um, you know, the different little parts of the, yeah. of the painting and makes that, that bird on the, on the water scene by their color choices. Have they made art? I call that level one training. I think they're on their way. Is it art? Is that art when they're done? Because I've I've seen yeah, some stuff yeah. in their color choices. Yeah, maybe maybe they're they're coming. They're seeing it the same it's, way Van Gogh did. It's art minus composition and some of the other aspects that go along with being an artist. But they are experiencing a bit of the art. It's just like with the the iPhone we were talking about earlier. It's it's a gateway. It's a gateway to maybe open them up to say I can do this. Now it may not be exactly. Oh, wow. This is, we're getting deeper. Uh, it may not actually be the trigger that makes them an artist. And in fact, there's going to be a lot of frustration. I think, I think you as a musician have felt frustration. I know I have felt massive amounts of frustration. There, there comes a point where you learn just enough to realize, you know, nothing. Right. And then you start training harder. You start doing more. And that's, I hate to say this, but at 47, that's kind of where I'm at right now. There's, I'm, I feel like I can do it technically and I feel like I'm good enough, but I feel like I'm missing something. And that's what school is for me. That's what this atelier training at someplace like the Angel Academy of Art would do for me. It puts me in a different, it's very uncomfortable for me to know that I would live in another country where I don't know anything. And it eliminates all that I do know so that I'll learn what I don't know. So social, social wise, I'll learn about the Florence, the Florentine, uh, culture. Um, every great artist that I've ever really admired went to Florence, you know, Michelangelo, Caravaggio. I mean, all these people, right. Right. And I, and I know Rembrandt, I, I love Rembrandt. And he had made a comment one time, uh, they wrote it down that, uh, apparently he said, why would I go there? My paints are here or something like that. I, I get that too. Um, there's no one way to do anything. No, there but isn't. if you feel like, if you feel like you're going to get something out of it, like a lot of my, 
there was a time when I was younger, I wanted to go to MIT or Berkeley yeah, yeah. because, you know, a lot of these shredders I was into did that. Yeah. And but to answer your question, that person who got that paint by numbers, that may have been their first step. They've always wanted to paint. They've always been interested. There was a trigger there that made them buy that paint by numbers. And they thought, well, if I can do this, that might be the crutch I need to get started. Just like your phone in your pocket might be the crutch you needed. You didn't realize it, maybe, but it was the crutch you needed. And that's kind of where I'm going with this this whole podcast. I don't want it to be a negative thing that says, oh, my God, everybody's got a fucking camera. Everybody, <laughs> you know, uh, it put me out of work. You know, no, if you're, a pro- if you're a professional, I need to say this, too. If the cream rises to the top. Exactly. If you're a professional and you're worried about the guy with the iPhone taking your jobs, step up your fucking game because you're not doing it good enough. And I know I'm getting a little bit harsh here. And I know when I go back to edit this, this I'm going to be like, oh, dude, stop dropping the F-bomb so much. But there's, there's, there's a lot of reality to that. You know, I see these kids get up on stage sometimes and they're playing music. They got heart and soul beyond their years. The music's not great. <laughs> but, dude, they're trying. They got like four people dancing in front of them at the stage probably girlfriends and friends, but they're doing their best. If the songs are there and the feelings there, it doesn't matter what equipment you're using. It don't matter what's happening. It's, it just matters that you're, you're doing it and it's real. You got to be authentic. Yeah. And if you put the proper training behind that energy, you will be a pro. Yeah. There's no way around it. Um, it, This goes back to some of our earlier episodes where we talked about the, the importance of practice and it's just, you know, get it in there, do it, do what you have to do. You know, I, I sit around, I get asked a lot of times, uh, my wife actually has asked me, why do you keep painting or drawing that plaster cast hand of the cube? You're not even selling them. <laughs> it's like, yeah, but it's, it's practice, right? It's doing, I, it's like in music. I know the song. I know what I need to do to make the song work, but how can I make the song better? You know what I mean? Right. And that that cube, that plaster ca- uh, cast, is hard for me to say today. Duh. I think you got me a little lit, little 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 tipsy here. Well, I'm a firm. <laughs> I, I wish I knew who made the quote, but uh, I heard one time, and I I may have mentioned it here. I think early on, it's like they say, you know, paintings are never finished; they're only abandoned. And I believe yeah. that's true for songs. Yeah. And and that's and if you ever think something is truly finished, then it's probably time to switch mediums. Yes. You know, yeah. because you've just, you've, you, you're always striving for something, something better or, yeah. or you, you listen back to an album and it's like, ah, I could have done this here. I could have done that. Yeah. You know, but you can like things for what they are. I don't think you should ever, um, dwell on, on it too much, but you're always going to run out of time and there's going to be at some point you got to say, well, okay, this is it, you know? Yeah. And, and you move on to the next thing. So I'm, I'm curious. I need to ask you this. Yeah. Do you think, 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 go, go back to, um, have you always been a bass player? Yeah, actually I saw a funny thing I saw in the Sears catalog. I saw, I saw shoot the doctor on, um, this band. I think they're from, um, I I love this story actually on star search. Uh, Mm -hmm. A lot of people, if, if you're younger than, if, if you're younger than 50, you probably don't remember star search, but, um, you know, I got, I kept, grew up near, I had three channels and, you know, I didn't get, I didn't see a lot of music on TV. Like I said, I waited for Saturday night live and, um, uh, you know, Friday night videos. That's oh, where yeah, I, yeah. the Grammys, Grammys yeah, is a big thing. Yeah. So headbangers ball. I, I didn't get that cause I didn't have cable. Oh, so yeah. yeah three yeah. channels. That's Sorry. all I got. So, <laughs> and then Fox came in at the end and it was real fuzzy, but anyway, uh, a band called Shoot the Doctor, and they had this Asian guitar player, and the solo came on, and he had a crackle burst paint job on his guitar. He s- pulls it up sideways, and he just shreds out like, oh, my God, that's so awesome. That is awesome. And then, th- like, within a couple weeks, the Eurythmics was on Saturday Night Live. Yeah. And they played this song, Dave Stewart, the, the you know, half of that team. You're right. Uh, he was playing guitar, and he takes his guitar off mid song and throws it off stage. Yeah. I don't see where it goes. And another guitar comes at him from the side of the stage and he puts <laughs> it on and plays it. And if I'm not mistaken, he does it again for the solo 
And I just thought it was the coolest thing ever. So that is cool. So I start looking through all the bands I like I liked at the time, and I saw there's there's normally two guitar players, but only one bass player. I didn't know what the bass sound like. Mm-hmm. Um, I looked in the Sears catalog. The bass was more expensive than the guitar, and I thought this is I need to play this. It just seems more logical. I'll be able to get in a band quicker. Plus, it's got four strings. Um, I'll figure it out. Yeah. And and I've always been, you know, I all the other music, you know, my my li- very limited keyboard and piano skills, mm-hmm. my limited guitar playing skills, that all spawn from being a bass player. That so, is awesome. So, that, right. so the long answer to your short question, yes, I've, <laughs> I started out a bass player, learned how to do all the rest from that. So that is cool. Well, I I personally pick up picked up picked. <laughs> Let me slow down. You this this. Hey, for those of you <laughs> listening, this this beer. <laughs> I've <laughs> we're talking <laughs> 45 minutes into it. I, I I'm all tongue tied. <laughs> good stuff. I haven't even stood up yet. It, it might be bad. Um, I picked up the bass uh, mainly because it is to me it's the root of all music. Uh, you, you're dealing with the help me here because i'm not really a good musician i'm a drummer <laughs> well as as I, I apologies believe, to every drummer out there i just i that. believe it was staying it's like the the chord becomes an e or a g because he's when he says it is yes because when he hits that lowest note that yeah. that is what controls all the higher it's notes the bass note and that's yes. what makes it that's what makes a uh depending on on where you play it if the chord if it's a g chord and the bass player plays a B over that. It's not it's a, it's a B. It's not a G. Maybe right, right. you know what I mean. Depends yeah. on the on the tones. But yeah. I speaking of, of of all of that, being a drummer, um, my first uh, in a band, my my first person to go to is the bass player. So if there's any drummers listening, you know, I really think you need to pay attention to your bass player more than the lead guitar or the rhythm guitar. Rhythm guitar is not bad for some of your riffs, but um, I, I think you really need to be in tune. That's the whole rhythm section of the band. If, right. if there's no bottom end in the music and there's no rhythm to the the bottom end, there's no song. That's I've, I'm a firm believer of that. Now, people would argue, well, you know, you got the big orchestras, they're all strings and all this and that, and you got a couple of timpani players back in the back and you got a bass drum player Maybe a snare every now and again if you need it, and all these are yeah, I get that. But there's cello players, there's bass players, there's you know this this low end is there, and they're complementing each it's other. It's the foundation. Yeah, the, the low end is the foundation yeah. for the most part. Yeah, yeah. Everybody does things a little bit different, but that's yeah. If if you're looking, if you're writing a book on it, you know you want you're wanting your drums and your bass to be really solid. Yeah, you know a, a yeah. good example of of the opposite is Metallica. Um, you know, it was always about that rhythm guitar locking in with the drums, and the yeah. bass was just something that kind of figured out a way to, but to go in between no them. Timing. <laughs> that, that seems to be true, but I mean, he did some great stuff on he Justice for All. Yeah, I don't, I don't want to pick on him too much, but maybe if he spent more time listening to the bass player, he'd stay in time better. That, that could be something. <laughs> that could be. I mean, he's listening to one of the greatest right hands of of in metal history of James Hetfield. So it's yeah, kinda, yeah, yeah. Speaking speaking of yes. uh, metal of that genre and generation, uh, I'm sure you've heard the news about Dave Mustaine. Yes. Uh, so our our uh, our hearts go out to uh, the Mustaine family and and Dave and uh, you know I heard uh, I heard one of his compadres mentioned in a, a statement that he feels sorry for cancer. Because it's about to get fucked up, you know, <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, I just, uh, I hate that. I really do. It's, um, uh, you know, when, when Dio had stomach cancer that kind of came through and, and really did, that was fast. You know that, what I mean? That's funny. You mentioned Dio. I had a, a discussion about him last night where, um, you know, they're doing the hologram thing yeah, yeah. and, uh, uh, Ripper Owens and I cannot remember the other singer is on it and it's all Dio's band mm-hmm. and they're playing Dio songs and and they have a hologram of Dio and I think they got some recordings of Dio that plays mm-hmm. with the band and then Ripper and and this other singer do some stuff and and uh guy I was talking to was just really upset about it and 
I said, you know, I was upset at first, but you know, you think said Wendy Dio's wife mm -hmm. and his longtime manager, she put this together. They're donating uh, some of the proceeds, maybe all. I don't know how much of it is mm -hmm. going in uh, is going towards stomach cancer yeah. uh, research and everything. Their stand up and shout foundation, right? Yeah. And uh, I think. You know, am, am I a fan of this? I don't know, but I think that I should go and see it. Yeah. Maybe with a, with yeah. that kind of a mindset, uh, it's a lot different than the Static X thing for me. Where yeah, uh, you know, Static X, the uh, the singer died, and uh, now they got a an imposter wearing a a Wayne Static mask, and yeah. they're doing this tour. That that kind of rubs me the wrong way. It does me too. So yeah, but you just mentioned Dio, and I thought about that, and I thought that's you know, this is a whole other art discussion on yeah on you know, this is a guy that's not here anymore that has this big body of yeah. of work that he's left behind. And is this a way that, to let that live on or is it uh, a uh, vulgar cash grab? And I think that, you know, it could, it could be neither. It could be both. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think, I think to some of the hardcore Dio fans, it, it obviously it's not Dio, right? Um, the band. Yes. The band's there. So to some degree, yes, it's Dio. Uh, for for me, it's I'm I'm glad the money's going to something worthwhile that, that they can use it. Um, uh, I I think Ronnie was taken from us way too early yeah. in life. I think there's a whole lot more that he could have really put out. I was extremely impressed with um, Heaven and Hell, what he was doing with that. Oh yeah. Uh, the uh, the album there that they they made together, I was really excited about what what's next. You know, I right. can't wait till the next one because it it was so Dio to me. You know, it, it had so much thought involved in in the songs like Adam and Evil. You know, whoever thought that Adam and Eve the the, the concept of Adam and Eve was Adam A T O M and evil. You know and it it really kind of goes back to computer gods when he did yeah. that song. You know, it's yep. like that was way before computers really. And here we are, you know, with the phones in our pockets again, back to that, thinking that everything revolves around what we do today. And we're, you know, a lot of people do treat them like idols. <laughs> brilliant, so brilliant lyricist, just brilliant yeah, lyricist, yeah. really. Um, so I, I want to add something to this, this podcast. Uh, our friend Chrissy. Uh, Chris E. in Cleveland. Oh, yeah. Um, oh, Layatha. Yeah. They uh, plugged the band. They sent me a really nice care package. I got it in the mail yesterday. Oh, really? It is. Yeah. I want you to see it. He's reaching down. Chris, Chris gave me a, a nice little card that was, that was fantastic. She's such a, such a heartwarming person. She really is. Would you, would you check this out? I've, I've got to mention, uh, Matt Mosier was the photographer on this. And do, you, do you know him? I don't, but she keeps telling me we need to get together and meet. Um, I'm thinking road trip. We, we ought to uh, have yeah, them on the podcast. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. I, I was thinking the same thing yesterday. I was reading it. She, she, we were communicating on uh, uh, Facebook uh, Messenger, and she's like, "You need to come to Cleveland." I was like, "Yeah, I, I'm, I miss my Cleveland family. I really do." Right. Um, but uh, Noah Buchanan. Was the sound engineer and co-producer Roger Creus? I'm sorry if I'm messing your name up, Roger. I really am. But he was the illustrator. This this entire again, Matt Mosier was the art director and photographer. But this entire she there's a a booklet that came with it, like a promo book. Oh wow! Um, a CD. Uh, wow, look at that! Yeah, that's it's amazing, isn't it? I, I I just I don't know if I'm allowed to put anything on the podcast, so I probably won't. But if I could put their music on here, I oh, definitely this is would. Unreal. Uh, but look them up on Spotify. It's Olathea, O L A T H I A, and uh, it's for all of our metalhead friends. It's a it's a dark uh, kind of a if 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 you could take help me here, uh, Evanescence. If you could take Evanescence and and really make it dark and heavier. <laughs> this is what it is. I, I really, I love Chris. I think she does a fantastic job with the band and everybody in the band is just so technical. So good. I listened to the album yesterday and, uh, really, really enjoyed it. Thoroughly enjoyed it, man. This is something you don't see very often too. So they got this, 
Yeah, it's a whole like, new level, man. It's got it's, lyrics and it's got all this artwork, but and it's got pictures of the band, but but it's got pictures of you know, there's a picture of the engineer. Yeah. It's got picture of the art director. It's got pictures of, you know, all this yeah. other stuff behind the scenes. Like scene. she said, it's it was a collaborative cool. effort. It was everybody putting things together and really it was artists being artists. Man, I'm impressed. And this that's why I really so wanted cool. to bring this up is it, it was a bunch of people getting together, visual artists, musicians, just people really good at what they do in to the put age one of, thing that together. Of, in the age of iTunes singles. Yeah. I mean, look at this. Oh, yeah. It this blows is amazing. Water. I love this. It brings back something that... It's it, like it, when you get an, a Journey album and look at the yeah, cover and, yeah. and go through it. And it's yeah, like, you, oh, wow. In, in my case, uh, going into my brother's room when he's at school. Iron Maiden. I, you know, stealing whatever album I can grab, you know, and little 33s or whatever. But um, the, the artwork in this is incredible. Yeah, it's very it, cool. It's, it's, it's way, way... I mean, they're... <sighs> I don't even want to say it this way, but because they're they're fantastic musicians, but to be self-produced like this, this is punching way above their grade, oh, yeah. their weight limit. I mean, it's like way up there. This puts stuff that that you would buy from anybody on the radio today to shame. Well, and Chris has always been one to uh, care about. It, it's the whole experience. Yeah. It was like that with with the shows that she's you know her bands have been involved yeah. in and and the packaging and and everything and that's how you know we all bands I've been in we care about uh, it's the whole experience and that's always that's been one of the things that's been great about her. It it is and you mentioned bands. Um, there was something on here that I saw that really excited me because I haven't heard much out of him lately, but. Uh, the guitar solo on Torn Apart was by our friend Vanek. Oh, yeah. So we haven't heard yeah. anything out of him. Well, I haven't heard anything out of him for a while. He's been torn with Midnight. Oh, is that right? Yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah, that's him. And I think he's probably still like tearing up Europe, right? Yeah. Uh, well, when I was in Fort Wayne, my buddy Tim was telling me that he went to, he went and saw Midnight uh, a few months. I, you know how I am with time, but yeah. it's been, and he saw Sean. So that's really cool. They're I, big. The, Midnight's a big thing, man. I don't, you know what I mean. It's not yeah. my thing, but I mean, it's uh, they've got a lot of success doing yeah. that. And they tour all over, and it's it's you know it's killer. And Sean's killer. a great great dude. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. Um, have we answered the question? Have we really? Have we? Have we? Have we? Have what was we, the question? The, the question was: Has, um, <laughs> you know, with with the <laughs> around photography. Has the fact that digital photography is around today and all that, does the fact that we all have a camera in our pocket, does it make everybody an artist? I, I'm, I'm of the opinion that it's a gateway drug, <laughs> so to speak. Uh, we forgot how to be kids, you know, and when we got that camera in our pocket, it's an opportunity to make something no matter where you are. Just like when you were a kid, didn't matter where you were, you were going to make something. You were going to do something creative. You were going to let your brain kind of go out there and and think creatively. And something happens. About the time puberty hits, we start turning into little assholes. <laughs> you know, we grow up into being asshole adults. We stop thinking about creative things. Um, I, I, I feel bad for the guy who puts on a suit every day and goes into his work and hates his life and doesn't do anything creative, you know, has a chef make or all his meals, a, a suit or a uniform. <laughs> no, I feel, you know what I'm saying? I, I think, uh, I think the, the prolifer proliferation of, no, I don't want to say it that way. That's a little bit too deep. I think the fact that we have access to make, a picture anywhere we are with the phone is staggering. You know, uh, Steve jobs only wanted to put music in his daughter's pocket. That's all he wanted to do. That's where the iPod came from. And it led us to the iPhone, which led us to and Androids and Androids. Yeah. I was going to say my it, favorite it leads to all the others. I mean, <laughs> it, it just, it, it put technology in a, in a place where, uh, the manufacturers were building things that, we wanted 
And I think in, in a roundabout way, we wanted to create. I rarely use my phone to talk on it like a phone. I text. I get on yeah, Facebook. I don't like to I, talk to human know, beings. Either. I don't either. I don't. I really don't either. And does it make you a photographer? No, it doesn't. Yeah, but yeah, but that's not. It doesn't make you an artist. And I think I think sometimes it does, as long as you don't have delusions of grandeur. Yeah. Uh, if you're making art with it, then you're an artist. Exactly. And, exactly. Yes, it's not the pans making the chef. It's not the chef making the pans. If you write a good song with a $30 Casio keyboard, a good song's a good song. A good photo's a good photo. It, yeah. Yeah, it's uh, it's crazy. I, I think um, I just got sidetracked on <laughs> on the lounge uh, in the What Are You Having channel. <laughs> hey, coming at you live. <laughs> My friend Scott says, wow, that sounds very delicious. Uh, Hanoma... Or Hano, uh, I shouldn't say Hanoma. His his tag is his uh, tag is ha- Hanoma, but uh, Hano. Uh, he put on here. <laughs> you dude, sound I'm, like I'm, Rain Man over there. Know, for uh, definitely it's, Charlie. Babbitt. <laughs> gonna count cards with Charlie Babbitt. Uh, Char- there's Char- there's three hundred. K- K- Kmart sucks. Yeah, there's, Charlie there's Babbitt. Three hundred. <laughs> I can't even think what they are. Brain is so slow. Um, agave, definitely too much, too much agave. Yes, uh, uh, no mas, no mas. Oh well. Um, what well, I was going to say, what would Charlie Sheen say? But what, what's what's the guy you do? Oh, Christopher Walken. Yeah. I don't see. That's a that's a misnomer. I don't do. I can only do one phrase. That's a that's a you know. Speaking of voice arts, that's a yeah, yeah, funny yeah. thing that uh, you know, like these voice guys do. It's like I remember watching an interview, and he's like, "Yeah, you can you can do that one phrase, but can you carry on a conversation in that voice?" And then he goes on, does Bugs Bunny, and and it's like, no, I I, I can only do <laughs> I can only do the one thing. I got this pal. Oh yeah, Justin. <laughs> Nicely. It is the one phrase, isn't it? He got his hair. I was like, wow, delicious. Poor That's J- all I can do. Poor so. Justin. Why did he cut his hair anyway? I don't know. It's ready for a change. Uh, yeah. About like me. Yeah, Metallica. No. <laughs> no, that was not the reason for any of us. But does a, does a phone in your pocket make you an artist? If you take that phone out and you make art with it, then you're an artist. Yeah, I say yes. Yeah. In the words of... Uh, the uh, the guy on the aliens show <laughs> history channel <laughs> when whenever they ask, they always ask a question always and i say yes <laughs> i just love it i love it. it's like why ask a question we all know the answer is yes you know if oh, you well. sing karaoke are you a singer you're singing you're singing you know yeah. are you uh, yeah. you just got to i i think it's when it's when they get out of the way get, you know get get out of the they forget um certain things that that go into it and yeah I, you know i i can i can see where people feel disrespected it's yeah. like you know you put yeah. all this time into it you're if you're out here calling yourself uh, you're a photographer and you've taken five pictures with this certain filter on and yeah they were kind of cool <laughs> yeah you know you're not necessarily a photographer but you are an artist yeah yeah you know yeah we gotta stop being pretentious and thinking that we have to be a category you know what I mean? Yeah. And we don't have to feel threatened, even though I do. I mean, I'm saying this for me. I feel threatened sometimes um, when there's, you know, or, or drummers, when drum machines come out, um, you know, they put yeah. drummers out of a job in the yeah. 80s. But, you know, there was only a certain kind of music that that did that. Right. But now you got uh, Easy Drummer, you got all these different things. And I mean, you can you can really create some some great things. But yeah. I think that you have to the best the best program drums are programmed by drummers mm-hmm. there's a way of thinking there's a way of uh, of of knowing what what fills up that hole so i don't think we have to feel threatened by it but you know we do roll our eyes sometimes at, at yeah. certain things people yeah. say but uh it, like it's a gateway and it, it it can springboard them into making better and greater art so yeah yeah we shouldn't think of it as if you're if you identify as an artist, you foot you should not feel threatened by somebody who's just getting started and they've discovered something through everyday tools. 
Yeah, I mean, is it disheartening sometimes that they can push a button and with a filter they can do what you used to have to do all these settings and wait for the light and all this? Yeah, I mean, I get that. But at the same time, uh, we can't be afraid of things that helps us make art faster. Exactly, exactly. We need to harness that. Yeah, maybe that person found the right tool for their art, you know, just like I have to find the right paintbrush. You know, I I, honestly, I should be able to paint with a fucking flip-flop. And, and it work out okay. Right. Uh, the brush doesn't make the artist. The canvas doesn't make the artist. The paint doesn't make the artist. The artist makes the artist. If you take a five-year-old uh, that draws a, a dragon and it's a purple dragon and it's got yellow wings and it it's kind of interesting. They've done their thing. You're going to tell that, that five-year-old they're not an artist that just made art and it meant something to them and you're looking at it and it gives you a feeling of some type. Yeah. That's what art yeah. is. So my uh, let's uh, get out of our own way. A new patron, Scott, we'll call him Scott. He's he's in the uh, he's in the lounge right now. He said, "Tell Paul, thank you for the advice. He's going to watch Chasing Amy now." So <laughs> way way back when we were talking about Chasing Amy, um, how are they hearing this live? They're not. I'm I'm putting these in. Oh, okay. I'm typing as you as I you just, talk. This I type. Techni- technology is yeah yeah chasing like, amy is a, a, a cool movie I it think, is so. it is uh enjoy scott um scott's a pretty cool guy and I, I like tell scott. him let me know what he what he thinks after you watch yes yes definitely definitely let him let him know i will type that in um let's wrap this up wrap it up uh, let's uh let's uh let's sit here and think about this for a second your gear does not make you an artist obviously uh your technical skill your your practice the things you put into it make you an artist I don't know that any of us ever feel good enough. You know, I think there's going to be a point in your life as an artist where you, you think to yourself, I, I got to do something to be better. Cause I'm just not keeping up with the times maybe, or maybe you're not doing your thing, but I'm just going to tell you, and this is advice for me as much as it is for anybody listening. Uh, stop worrying about it. Make your art. We don't need somebody that looks like somebody else. We don't need somebody that sounds like somebody else. Uh, your art doesn't have to look like everybody else's art or sound like everybody else's art or be like everybody else's art. It just needs to be your art. Find your own uh, market. Find find the people who love what you do and do it. You know, and uh, find your tribe. Find the people who support you for what you do, and keep working on getting better. And if you if you really feel like there's places in your artistic career where you can. Uh, improve upon what you're doing and go go at it you know do what you got to do to get better but don't forget the fact that you are an artist today you're doing your thing now it's very important for you to, to dive in and literally go after your art as if your life depends on it i think that's really important so any final words paul don't feel threatened don't feel threatened there's no one out there that can be you but Absolutely. you so You got that over everybody else. Where can people find you? MGFlash.com. MGFlash.com. Yes. And you can find me at MichaelWarth.com. It's M-I-C-H-A-E-L-W-A-R-T-H.com. Once again, thanks for listening. I'm glad you are here. Check us out on Discord. Look for Mike's Lounge. Uh, I have links on the website where you can get in there. Uh, The website is at All Walks of Art dot simplecast.fm and i'm really surprised i'm remembering all these things so at this point i'm going to go back to drinking my coffee i think i'm going to go say hello to my little friend and that's all we have today see you paul later